Welcome to Blightbringers, a Legion of Everblight-focused War Machine and Hordes podcast. I'm your host, Ronlor, aka Tyrone, and I'm painting long chops right now, and I'm really excited to finish him up. Joining me this week is Wolf. Welcome back to the show, Wolf. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be introduced again. You know, I feel like a real person. <laughs> well, you weren't here last week, so like I had a chance to, you know, get myself acclimated to, to doing the intro properly without you around. It really helped. Get your ducks in a row, as they say. Yeah, you know. <laughs> to later this episode, we should have Cutter joining us. He's currently en route back to his studio. So we look forward to him joining. But in the meantime, uh, we got uh, some games in this week. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I ended up actually playing Bethane. Um, now, I know Bethane's terrible, but... She's not terrible. You're just a bad person if you play her. Oh, well, I don't appreciate that either. I mean, I think that's the best I can do for you, unfortunately. <laughs> nah, that's fair. Had uh, Bethane, some Hexes, a uh, spawning vessel, Bloodseer. It went okay, but I was playing Ghostleet, and uh, there's just too many dudes, so I lost. Um, I think if I could have played it a bit better, actually, like... If I'd focused a bit more on defending my scenario, uh, I might have actually stood a chance because I cleaned up most of his jacks, and I was never killing his entire unit of the uh, dudes that come back. But was so. he running Denny One? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a pain, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound super terrible, like disintegrate RFPs, so at least you can like shut down the recursion. Oh, I didn't consider that, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, she's literally one of... Her and Saren are the only ones that can do it, so... Yeah, well, I'll have to keep that in mind if I do play it again, because I might just run it back next week. But we'll see. There you go. But, Wolf, we're going to be mostly talking about your games. You attended a team tournament, did you not? Yeah, it was a WTC Canada's fundraiser team tournament in Guelph. Uh, it was run by Chris Orr and Tim Banky and uh, Bubba Dalton. Though Chris kind of ran everything because Tim was subbing in for Charles Soong, who got sick. So he did the typical Tim Banky thing of saying, I'm going to run an event, and then just played in it instead. Um, <laughs> so you're saying he won, is what you're saying? No, he didn't actually win, I don't oh, think. Okay. To the best of my knowledge, he didn't win. But he used Charles's lists, and when I say he used Charles's lists, I mean he ran, I think it was Fiona all day, and didn't touch Siphon because I don't know why that pairing exists i don't know man that was a weird one um <laughs> so it was nice it was a good time it was the five man wtc wtc team style right um so it was me my friend sam jacob who's on discord as fabent uh zane or swamp mist and our friend greg uh we drove up there and got to play three rounds there was 13 teams total and spoiler alert we got six out of 13 Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Nice. So, uh, yeah, the team went two and one. So it was a pretty good day for everybody. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. And, you know, it was to help the Canadians get to Poland because they don't have enough drink. They need to go learn from the Polish now. So we show up, and uh, round one was against Team Cardboard Classics, who I don't, I wish I could remember the guy's name. I don't. But we play the round. I go into Matt Goldfab, who's running Convergence. And he was running Orion and Destruction Initiative, and I can't remember his pairing offhand. Okay. But I saw Orion. So yeah. um, I drop Animag, 
Um, I let him have first turn so I could get the side I wanted. Bottom of two, I get up 101 scenario. I feet kill two heavies. He still has two heavies and double taps, but just because of spreading out and running things into weird angles, the taps aren't getting good angles to like shoot a whole bunch of things at once. So they're firing into chosen and not really effectively removing them. Right. He was doing, you know, three sprays with an extra two dice for damage, so four dice. And his rolls just some of his rolls were, you know, really good, some were bad. It I think it evened out to about average. But ones that he needed to spike weren't spiking and ones that it was like, oh, there's only two boxes left on this guy. He was rolling like thirteen damage. So I was like, <laughs> well, all right. He just made sure he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Well, no, then they toughed and healed three and feigned death, so we couldn't spray him anymore. Right, of course. Because that was actually kind of a big deal a couple times where something toughed, healed one or two, and he's like, I'll just kill it. I'm like, nope, feign death, you can't. And there was just that look of like, oh yeah, well, that's annoying. Yeah, the feign death ability, honor spell, you you know it's going to be good conceptually, but I think until you play it, it really kind of shows its strength. Yeah, well, you're really, you're hoping beyond hope to actually get a tough and have that be the thing. Weirdly, I've almost thought about playing that list with like Thags 2 into a gun line, or no, that wouldn't actually work. Never mind. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, he can do the same thing. I'm like, wait, no, he doesn't have that spell. Yeah. If he just have Fane Death naturally, that'd be great. Oh my god. Give us another solo. That's all. Yeah, just run Chosen up the middle of the board and go, oh, you're going to shoot them? I'm just going to Scourge, knock them all down, and now you can't. They're going to get their next turn. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be a little too good, maybe. That's that's some stupid jank, but it'd be funny if you could do it. <laughs> Fair enough. So you're up 1-0, bottom of 2. Um, so I'm up 1-0, bottom of 2, and we grind it out, and neither one of us was really getting any other scenario points. Uh, I think we got down to bottom of 5. He passes over to me, I look at the clock, and go, oh, I have like 15 minutes left, and he has like 2. Oh, jeez. So I'm like, well, I know how I'm winning this game. Yeah. You know, I've just blocked off scenario and made it so that Everything was spread out, so he wasn't getting easy shots or getting like ground pounders and killing multiple things, and just passed clock back and said, here you go. He ended up clocking out on his next turn. We kind of talked about it, and he was definitely up on attrition, but once I realized that I, you know, I didn't think I was going to be able to win on an attrition game because I'd made some mistakes earlier in the game, I'd lost too many guys when I should have just spaced out more and done things a little bit differently... I realized clock was my win condition there, so I kind of just started feeding him a couple guys at a time to make him have to make attacks and make him have to go into different spots. Right. Um, and he never really got aggressive with his jacks, which I thought was weird. Like, he kept shooting and then repoing back, so he was never really trying to push scenario to, like, force me to come in. Yeah, that's... It, just, it let me get to a point where it was like, well, yeah, you're ahead on attrition, but I've got that one point on scenario, and you haven't made any attempt to get anything so there was never any reason for me to worry about it yeah that, that's a weird thing to do i mean against primal terrors i think you really have to kind of push them because we're happy just kind of getting into zones and then waiting yeah it was a little bit of a weird game i think is the best way to call it but we had talked after and yeah i mean that was round one uh the team went four and won that round Peace. and yeah we did we did pretty good although it was kind of funny because I believe the guy's name was Keith, was running Trolls, said something after the match that they had gone overall, like, after the lists were published, 
that they had gone over everything and we're looking at our lists and we're looking at the team. And he's like, yeah, we were really hoping we'd play you guys today. I'm like, why? He goes, ah, oh, because, you know, your list didn't make any sense. We thought it'd just be like clubbing baby seals. You guys didn't know what you were doing. Ah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, my God. That's, that's really good. He's like, yeah. And then when we saw that we were playing you guys first round, we got really excited because this is going to be like the easiest first round ever. I'm like, how do you feel now? He's like, we were very wrong. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm glad you realized it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but Jacob won his game at like bottom of two, Rasheth into Harvey and just shot Harvey to death. Oh, jeez. Um, my game went to clock and I won. Greg's game went to clock and he won. Zane's game went to clock and he won. And I think Sam would have won, but he let his clock run out on bottom of seven, thinking that it didn't matter because it was still bottom of seven. And all he had to do was say, okay, flip clock with a second left, game's over, and he won. But because he let it run out to do something else, technically he clocked himself, and therefore he loses. Don't you score in everything, though, at, at the end of the you game? Score like that? Every, you score in everything, but he wasn't up by five. Oh, okay. All right. Like He would have just won bottom of seven had he flipped it over, and right. been like, hey, I'm up by like four, game over, but he let it run and they're like, no, you clocked yourself. Like, you, there's still, you still score everything, but game over. You lost. You clocked. Yeah. All right. It was weird. Yeah, that's odd. <laughs> but that's how that worked. Okay. Um, round two was against Team Uh, which I believe was being headed by Matt McWaters. Okay. I think he was the captain of it. I don't. He was the one doing everything, so I'm assuming he was the captain. I ended up playing into Maylock with all the posse guys. The list was a little. A little off normal because it was three units of posse instead of four and instead of the fourth he had a full unit of crow craters okay um so it was a little different than i think the internet build you know we played it out we both kind of talked looked at it and talked about it and said that yeah you know we both played this game it could go 50 50 either way kind of depends who gets what right um i made a mistake bottom of one which kind of hurt me a little bit I, for whatever reason, was afraid the Croak Raiders were going to, like, run forward and shoot Amok, and I kept him back farther than I needed to because of it. Okay. When I, If I would have just walked him or run him forward another three inches from where he was, they still couldn't actually have the range to hit him, and there was no offensive spells I could get to him. And because I didn't do that, it gave an extra three inches for when Maylock feeded and everything became in-corp for them to move through terrain and everything else. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so that hurt me a little bit. It let him, you know, kind of side-shift some things that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do. So he won the roll-off, got first turn. I got the side I wanted. You know, he runs forward. I walk-run. He mortalities the Chosen and another unit of Warmongers and just trivially kills three chosen, you know, kills like two or three warmongers and beats to, you know, get around and get the armor buff. I go, I counterfeat and kill an entire unit of posse. It, like one entire unit kill four guys out of a second unit. Oh jeez. Um and like six or seven crow craters and think I'm doing good, but because I moved the I had to move the blightbringer up to get the aura where I needed it. And I looked at it and went, I'm leaving a line for this Black Hide Wrestler to get there, but it's okay right now because I'm going to side shift these Warmongers over, so it's going to have to go into them, or he's going to have to try and get two Croak Raiders to kill 
you know, a couple warmongers, which they probably don't do. And then when I actually move stuff, I didn't move them over to block. I was just focused on something else. Oh, yeah. So then once I got two activations past it, I looked again and went, oh. Yeah, I've done that before. Feels bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, so Black Hyde charged in and one round at a Blightbringer, which will happen. And the following turn, I made like 15 rolls in a row. I didn't roll above a four. Jeez. So Maylock was camping zero. I got I hit him with the first gallows to try and pull him in. Missed the second one. Got a free one finally after X number of attacks. That missed. And then it was just like, well, I'm going to try and get some other stuff done. But Animag was standing in like four inches away from a black hide and two posse on zero camp. So we just kind of looked at it and I said, good game. Like there's, there's no way you don't do this. Yeah. So he won that round. Believe the team that round went one and four. Jacob was the only one that won his game. Interestingly enough, it was Sam that went into Matt McWaters and I don't know exactly how that ended, but I, to the best of my knowledge, it went to third tiebreakers at bottom of seven. Holy what? Yeah. So That's crazy. His Harby list is super janktastic. I don't know how much of that was, you know, people making mistakes or whatever, but it got pretty close to the wire and he was pretty close to beating him. Wow. So that was that was pretty cool. That's exciting. That's really that's really cool. Yeah. Um Zane I think went into Grimkin that round and didn't really go super well for him. Um he got a match he wanted and I I wasn't really watching his game so I don't know exactly what happened but from what he says did not go well. Okay. At all. <laughs> <laughs> um trying to think what was I don't remember what Greg was playing into. I want to say trolls, but that might not be right. Yeah. Anyway, we went one for that round so we're one and one at this point in the day. We go into round three, and round three was against Team Combo Smite, which, okay. yeah, that was that was kind of neat. Yeah, I'd never played against them before, although you have, everybody knows the name. Yeah, I hung out with those guys uh, during our breakfast at the uh, SOO last year, and they were pretty sweet guys to hang out with. I lent one of them a throne for the event as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but their, their, matcha, or their guys were running Crucible Guard, Grimkin, Scorn, Mercs, and Trolls. Okay. So we go through the entire pairing process, and they go, oh, Legion, all right, you're going to play into either Crucible Guard or Scorn. So I took one look at that and said, not dealing with Crucible Guard. I will get shot off the table. <laughs> nope, here you go. Like, what is wrong with you? What would make you think I would take that at all? I don't know. That was, yeah. So I went into Chasm, or Chasm. Um, super nice guy. He was running Mordecai and Xerxes 1. I just dropped Animag again because I neither one of his lists were really... It didn't feel like tooled to deal with me. He drops Xerxes 1. We were picking tables that round, so we got a table that had two big clouds, a large forest, a small forest, and then a bunch of water and like acid baths. I ended up getting winning the roll to go first and picked first turn, ran forward with basically everything. He walked forward mini-feated with both of his units of... Reavers, he was in Winds of Death, I think. It was two units of Reavers, a turtle, two Argus soldiers. It was a really weird list for Xerxes 1, I think. But So I get the roll off to go first. I run forward, he moves up, shoots a six-man CRA into Chosen, does like two or three damage after the heal, kind of realizes that he needs to go full ten-mans to do anything. So pumps another five shots into him. 
I think he leaves one on like two boxes, which is fine. Yeah. Um, the catapults go, and catapults shoot a hellmouth, leave it on one box. <laughs> it's a four inch AOE against the warmongers that are standing near it. So it's like a POW 8. He does two damage to one and triggers vengeance on them, Ooh. which he did not want to do. But he was thinking that, oh, well, it's dice off 10. What are the chances that's going to happen? Yeah. So he does that. And then the turtle moves up, rolls max shots, fires at the Hellmouth four times. Mind you, the Hellmouth is on one box, and he doesn't roll the hard six to kill it on four shots. Oh, my God. So it was, yeah, that was sad. Siege tracks, fair and balanced, obviously. Yep. Obviously. <laughs> um, so he moves up. He moves Xerxes up and made me look at it and go, huh, if you don't put something in front of him, I can kill him this turn. Like, I can just drag him in and kill him. Yeah. Thankfully, he moved his other unit of Reavers up and shot a little bit. Didn't really do a lot. Because he triggered Vengeance my next turn, I was able to get a lot more into his army than I probably would have otherwise. Sure, yeah. So anime goes and feats chosen. Three of them get in on a turtle that was like sitting back line in the center. I get one warmonger into it on the other side. Three of them go into a sentinel. One or two go into the unit of reavers that he ran in front of Zakar, or Xerxes rather. Right. I clear out a bunch of stuff. The other hellmouth that was slightly farther off to the right um, manages to pull his soldier forward into it so my feet turn was killing a soldier like seven or eight reavers half killing or probably leaving a turtle on 10 boxes and then leaving a second soldier on like three with grievous wounds on him at that point he was in a bad spot but yeah. he feeded and these reavers now all became weapon masters because stir the blood plus feet means they just become pow 11 weapon masters randomly so he clears out a bunch of warmongers, heals up the turtle as best as he can. It pumps a couple more shots in. Um, he kills a bunch of warmongers, leaves two chosen alive on my left flank where they went in, uh, followed by you know a full unit of warmongers that was behind him. Uh, my turn, I basically clear out that other soldier. I kill a bunch of reavers. I don't even bother into the turtle, and I look at it and go, huh, I'm up 2-0 on scenario. I can move forward and run Animag into my zone because it was spread the nut. Yeah. I camped my flag with a war chief, so I got a point there. So I figure I could, if I wanted to, run her over and turn and score four points. And at the end of his turn, he there's no way he can get anything over to contest. Yeah. So I just went at the end of his turn. But I decided against it because I had a line to get Gorag and a warmonger onto Xerxes on zero camp. So a Blightbringer shot him with Dragon's Breath, and then Gorag and this one warmonger went in. Turns out Gorag just kills Xerxes okay. by himself. Great. Like He just ran in and was like, you think that's a mace? This is a mace. And then <laughs> cracked him over the head with it. What like crocodile ducky on him. Fantastic. So, yeah, uh, I won that round, which felt pretty good. We had talked about it, and I guess Castle had played into Primal Terrors the round before okay. and dropped Mordecai and thought that this would be the better drop for it, and he felt confident in it. And we talked about it, and he kind of said that getting the you know first turn was big for me because it let me bully the board a lot more than I would be able to otherwise. But this really wasn't a great answer 
because the Reavers would probably be really good at mowing down Warmongers because they're POW 11s. You can see RA and it's only five boxes with tough. Like you can get there. Yeah. Turns out they're not real good at trying to shoot Josen. Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, he, we talked about some misplays and other stuff, but he kind of thought that he needed to go back to the drawing board and maybe come up with something different, which I don't disagree. I don't think it was a, a bad attempt, but I don't think it was something that was specifically tooled to deal with that. And in a WTC style format, if you're not tooled to deal with something or you don't have like some different ways to get at it, then probably not something you want to be going into if you can avoid it. Yeah. So all in all, it was a good day. Like I said, we ended up getting six out of 13, which was better half. Funny news, Kadorable, which was the five Kador team, finished him last. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of... Seriously? Yep. They got dead last. That's amazing. Like three man for Kador can apparently win the WITC. Five man for Kador, no. It's like a roller coaster. At the top, you got three, and then at the bottom, you have five, and just yep. effectiveness drops as anywhere beyond three players. It seems that way. Um, <laughs> their lists were all, I looked at them beforehand, and they were basically all playing Rocket Spam or Armored Core, all with just different casters. I think right. there's a couple of things of like Wolves of Winter in there too, but like there were some serious blind spots in it, it looked like so. Yeah, that's the thing with, like, I, I, I keep joking with my locals that we're going to do, like, a five-man Legion team at some point, and I just keep thinking about it, and I think, like, no, we, we really can't. It would be so hard to make ten good lists out of Legion that it's just, it See, seems hard. It would be hard, but I think it's doable. The problem, I think, comes down to, like, you need to tool for, like, the specific matches instead of, like, the list paradigms and that's just going to be hard to do yeah especially when you got you know you don't really have five good primal terrors casters i don't think no um, we have one and a half two maybe two and a half no i think you got three maybe four so animag fiana oh yeah so animag fiana uh callus one thags one oh yeah callus okay. two arguably yeah, I keep forgetting about Kalos too. Like, I played him twice when he came out and then just kind of fell off my radar because it didn't seem to work. Yeah, there was a guy yesterday running Kalos 2 Double Chosen, and okay. it was a really interesting list. I don't know how it, you know, how it really plays or how it does, but it seemed kind of like a... It had a couple people talking in between rounds that I heard, so it was a good time. But uh, raised a bunch of money for Team Canada. Yeah. Got some sweet zones out of it because I needed them. And oh, got a couple enough. good games in against some, you know, pretty awesome people. So all in all, it was a good day for me. Awesome. Good for you. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, man. Gotta love it. Yeah, there was a, a conversation I had on the way home with Zane. And I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit because it seemed like a good thing to bring up, even though it's not maybe Legion specific. But yeah. I think it's something that, you know, everybody has to deal with and we should probably touch on at some point or touch on a little bit. Yeah. Um. And that is basically how, how to get good, how to be a better player. Because anytime you go to an event and you're, you know, riding with people, the entire way there, you're talking lists, you're talking whatever. And then the entire way home, everybody's recapping their games and saying, oh, well, I think I did X, Y, and Z. I think these are the mistakes I made. I think this is the stuff I did well. What do you guys think? What do you think about this? And like the entire, it was about a two and a half hour ride home yesterday was just, 
people talking lists and what they could do and what they could do better. And, oh, well, what if I switched, you know, unit X out for unit Y? Or what if I switched the solo, solo loadout around? Right. You know, stuff like that. So he had brought up that, because he's playing Menoth right now, that he wanted to play Thyra and he had to get a lot of games in with her because he had made a lot of mistakes and he had done a lot of things that didn't really help him and didn't really make the game any easier. Okay. So he had been talking a bit about that and said, you know, what do you think about changing my list? What do you think about, you know, switching out these solos, switching out X, Y, Z, whatever. And we kind of got into a whole discussion about how to get better at the game, how to get into a point where, you know, reps are one thing, but how to start evaluating your own game, how to start evaluating consistently. Okay, here's what I did well. Here's what I, you know, remembered to do. And here's what I stuck on. And here's the things that really were stupid mistakes and, you know, cost me either more beasts or more points of damage or board position or whatever than it should have. Okay. A little personal, I guess, story was a couple months back. I had kind of felt like I had plateaued. Ever since I started this game, there's very few events I can think of maybe too offhand that I didn't finish the event with at least like a two and two score. Mm-hmm. Like even my very first event, I finished it at two and two. That's good. Nice. Yeah. You know, a hallmark of my, uh, let's say, good gameplay. I'm definitely not just super lucky or anything. <laughs> totally good at this game, promise. But I, I had gotten to a point where I felt like I had plateaued and I wasn't getting any better because I play against, you know, top tier people in my area and I just get slapped. Like it wasn't even a game. It was just, oh, well, I get to just either destroy your entire army now or I get this assassination because of a screw up. Right. And I had been talking to, I'd driven down uh, with some of the top people in the car and I was asking them like, how, how do you do that? How do I advance past this? What do I need to do to get better? And they all gave me basically the same answer, which was, well, you need to just play more games and you need to start doing something about the mistakes you're finding. Because if you're playing a game and you're saying, hey, I'm consistently messing up my positioning and letting somebody either take more of a unit or take you know, more pieces than I want them to, or they're getting me with gotchas that, oh, I didn't realize that's how this spell worked, or that's how your feet worked, or how the, this is how X interaction worked. Okay you're going to keep losing to those things. So just as like a general thing, I think there's some things everybody can do to get better. The first thing we had talked about yesterday was that, for example, Zane was talking about countercharge and how he forgot into Orca 2 that they had countercharge. So he had moved something up, got countercharged, and lost an important solo that he couldn't have afforded to lose. Right. And, you know, we had the conversation about, well, how do you remember all of these rules? And all of these things. And how do you remember every possible thing that could happen on any given turn? Especially if maybe in your area you don't play against Borka. You don't play against Karchev. You don't play against Seethers. Or, you know, these things that have these rules. And what we kind of came up with is you're allowed the two table markers now. Basically, you're allowed to have two things out on this table to measure or remind you of things. So if you're worried about things like countercharge or admonition or counter slam or anything like that, when you're planning out your turn, your opponent ends his turn and everything is where it is, take a six-inch stick, take a token, take something, and put it in front of one of his pieces. Yeah. Leave it there. So when you go to do things, before you move stuff, before you say, yep, yeah, this is my final position, this is what I'm going to do, it clicks something in your brain to go, why is this here? 
why is this piece here? Why is a stick here? Like, what was I doing with it that this would need to be here? And then hopefully it clicks in your head that, oh, yeah, right, countercharge. So I need to be, you know, six inches back. And the other thing was... In I, I, I want to talk about just, I want to quickly, like, sure, sure, I, sure, think, I think visible reminders are super important. I started putting, like, a year, year and a half ago, I bought these beads at Michael's that were just three different colors and three different shapes. And I put them down beside my beast when an aspect is gone. Because if I don't, I'm either going to cheat, or I'm going to forget to heal, or I'm going to do both. And I'm going to do something crucially incorrect, right? Where, yeah, oh, absolutely. I needed to heal this guy, and I forgot, and I activated, and I started making attacks, and then I remembered afterwards. You know, like, you get down that path where it's like, you've already screwed up, and it's way too late to fix it. Yeah, and especially if you're in, you know, a tournament setting or a con setting, if you look at it and say, "Oh, hey, my mind was out and I already made four attacks. What do I do?" You're going to call a judge over and they're going to go, "Well, the attacks were already made. Yeah. So, there's nothing we can do about it now, but you get a warning because, you know, you messed up and you're going to make sure that doesn't happen again." Right. And uh, I think that like leads, you know, yeah, if you continually yeah, if you continually do that, is that just you forgetting or are you actively cheating, right? Yeah, and then that's a crapshoot for your opponent because now, you know, whoever you're playing against is feeling like, oh, well, I've remembered all my rules. You know, why didn't you remember this? Yeah. You know, you're, you're ruining the experience for somebody else and you're making it worse for somebody else to play in view. Like, even if it was completely unintentional, there's no possible way to, like, make that okay at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I... Like I said, I've been using these markers for a while. They come in handy for me. Uh, so I think having like a visible reminder of stuff like that, either counter charge or just missing aspects or whatever, is actually like a really good way to help yourself just in general. Yeah. Um, so any kind of like visual reminder like that that you can do is like, I think that's a good way to just try and remember these things, try to get better so you don't get caught in those gotchas. Another one we talked about was whoever you're playing against like when you get there grab their caster's card pull it up on war room if you have it ask them for it if you don't actually read it go through their spell list go through their feet before the game starts and if you have any questions on how anything works ask them then like i don't play into convergence terribly often and playing into orion yesterday which is a newer caster to begin with i didn't have any idea what anything he did was that I've never played into it. I haven't seen it. I had no way of knowing. So before the game started, I was going, okay, what does he have for spells? What's his feat? What does, you know, how does this work with this? How does, you know, his spell list work? Like just any random questions I could come up with off the top of my head saying, how is this going to work? How are you going to try and play it? Yeah. Like it stops those gotchas from happening. And I think that like, just if you can remove those from the game, just by, you know, virtue of knowing it before you get into it like that will solve a lot of problems when it gets down to turn three four five and suddenly a spell that hasn't been cast all game or an effect that hasn't come up pops up and destroys whatever your plan was or throws things for a loop and you don't have the pieces left to recover effectively mm -hmm. and then the other thing we were talking about and i i see this a lot with the various communities and i see this a lot especially on the internet is being able to take feedback. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people will show up with a list. 
and say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is a list that I've been playing for six months. It's really good. And here are all the reasons that it's good. And somebody will look at it who hasn't played it, who hasn't touched it, who doesn't maybe understand every like little nuance of a given list and will immediately attack it and say, no, why would you play this when you could play this? So like a good example would be like Thags 1 Children of the Dragon, like Chris Orr's list. Yeah. Somebody comes up with a different Thags 1 list that says, oh, hey, I'm only running, you know, Typhon and Zuriel and I'm running double archers and I'm doing this. And it's proved to be really effective into playing into, you know, these matchups and it works out really well for them. And you just get somebody who comes in and basically poops all over it and says, no, this is a worst version of this list. I don't know why you're doing it. Right. I don't know. I don't know why you're playing this. You could be playing this list that's so much better in every way. <laughs> like, and then on the flip side of that, you'll have somebody that will come in and ask a genuine question and be like, oh, well, you know, why did you take archers over, say, swordsmen? Or, you know, aren't you finding they have issues into stealth or into high def or into whatever? And whoever made the original post or made like the original comment, it now immediately gets defensive and, oh, well, they're the best unit in the game. And if you don't think so, you're an idiot. Like, I see a lot of that and I hear a lot of that talking to certain people and seeing that, especially again on the internet, because you can just throw venom out with little to no consequence. So I think a big part about getting better is being able to take feedback and being able to have a conversation with people who know what they're actually talking about and then listening to like actual feedback that you're getting. So if you're showing up with a list and saying, hey, this is, again, my Thags 1 list that I want to run into these matchups, and you get somebody who's being a jerk, you don't have to respond to them. You don't have to engage with that person who's going, oh, well, you're an idiot for playing this list. You should be playing this one instead. It, I know it's hard, but you can just ignore them and not deal with that. But at the same time, when somebody's asking a genuine question and saying, hey, how does this work? Like, explain it to me. Why are you taking X unit over Y unit? Well, don't you think it would be better with, you know, these solos or with this beast loadout? Because then that better answers, you know, these things that you're trying to cover for. Being able to look at that and have an honest discussion and say, hey, you know what, maybe you're right, I should try this. Or, oh, well, I thought about, you know, doing X instead of Y, but because of these reasons, it hasn't really worked for me. Okay. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Joining us, recently returned from his road trip, Cutter. Welcome back. Hey, welcome to myself, I guess. <laughs> Yay, Cutter. Yeah, I just got back from an event. So got hit slightly on the way back over into Staten Island. So that was that was exciting. Jeez. Good good the New traffic, York driving. The traffic rules in New York City are more of what we like to call guidelines. <laughs> yeah, it's it's intense. Um but yeah, it was it was cool. Got an event in, got to practice some of my champions stuff. I don't know what we're talking about exactly. What we're going over right now is uh, some little Little guidelines, little assistance, little things we can do to get better at the game. Um, yeah. Wolf kind of laid out a few of them. Uh, the first one is like having visual reminders on the table of stuff like countercharge or whatever. You know, put a token down and just be like, okay, what is this token there for? Uh, stuff yeah. like that. Do you have any uh, one, thoughts on that? Yeah, one trick that I use. So when I have vengeance or I have tentacles, usually I'll have my fury. The fury for my caster, I 
put as a different color than the fury for my beasts. And I also have a different color token for fury on forsaken. So I'll usually, sometimes I'll even only take out the fury for my beasts that I think if I'm overspending regularly, sometimes I'll actually just not put enough tokens out so that I have that reminder when I go into it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to spend too much fury. I need to think about what I'm doing. But with regards to vengeance and tentacles with the primal terrors list, I'll just actually set the vengeance token on top of the fury stack so that before I can even pick fury up, I have to acknowledge that there's a vengeance token sitting on it. And I also surround it with tentacles so that I can pay attention to that too and make sure that that's what I'm doing first. So those are some of the, I guess, kind of visual positioning cues that I use in that regard. Yeah, that's really smart. I might have to steal that using a different color for my caster because I'm even like not even as like so I don't spend too much fury. It's I I often end up just grabbing my caster stack when I'm boosting and it's just bad. Yeah, so that's that's one thing that I do in terms of visual aids. Cool. No, that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I do the same thing for like uh, the Forsaken Fury. It just keeps it from getting jumbled up and something gets knocked over, pushed around. You always know what goes with what. Yeah, I also take pictures every round if I can. So obviously if the clock's getting low towards the end of the game, but sometimes that ends up resolving things. Uh, if you get into a weird game state, you can just look at the picture. So that's something that I would recommend doing in general, just because while you're you know, sitting around somewhere, maybe you just open up your phone and go back through the pictures and think about it. So I usually have tons and tons of War Machine pictures that I can flip through. And sometimes if I'm thinking about a matchup, like I played into Zirkova 1 Armor Court today, I could be like, oh, let me think about how the terrain affected that game and what kind of stuff I was seeing and how much cloud cover reasonably I'm actually going to see. So sometimes things like that are like, what does a Haley 3 list actually look like on the table uh, while I'm thinking about it? So I would say taking pictures if you can. I know some people don't have a separate tablet or whatever to run War Room on, but if you do have the ability to take pictures without crashing War Room and then forfeiting your game, <laughs> I would recommend doing that. If you don't, maybe don't do that. Cool. So that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, that's another one. Uh, the other, the next thing that uh, Wolf was talking about was just taking the time to read your opponent's caster or some problem models or new models that your opponents are fielding to get an idea or to kind of get a heads up to what you're facing. Yeah. Did you talk about that already? Yep. A little bit. But okay. I mean, if you've got input, go for it, man. Yeah. So quickly for me, though, I meant to mention, I meant to say it earlier. The big one that I would recommend always grabbing is Arcana. And if you want, even just print out a set of your own. Because those things are a mess of different timings and different abilities and different ranges and everything. So I think Arcana are like the biggest one that you want to just have available. Yeah, absolutely. I try to make it a habit, even if I'm familiar with the caster I'm playing against, to look at both casters in a pairing to just look at their cards before I go through the motions of actually choosing a list. And, you know, sometimes you remember that someone has something crazy uh, and that can really that can really change things. So, yeah, I would definitely say if you do have all the cards to just have that handy also. And, yeah, I mean, I, I usually am looking through and checking cards throughout the entire game just to make sure that I have things correct. Cool. 
And finally, you came in at the tail end of it there, uh, but Wolf is saying that we have to be willing to take feedback that is valuable and then also willing to disregard feedback that is not valuable. Yeah, I, I did hear the end of that. And that's something, because I work in the startup space, that's something that I see in my working life also, is if you're, if you're a wargaming player or if you're running a company or something, you want to get advice. You know, it's always good to hear opinions, but not all opinions are equal. They're not all valid. And you also have to accept that you might be the expert in the thing, whatever the thing is. So sometimes they're just adding perspective, but you have to be comfortable saying, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I think is going to work. And just kind of be a little stubborn in that capacity. But I think taking feedback is really valuable having the ability to not continue changing things every time something comes up and there's a suggestion for something else is really valuable too. Because, you know, I, I know we've said this before, lots of people say it, but familiarity is a major component of performing well in a list. Makes sense. Since you're here and since you had an event, actually, before we get into that, Wolf, uh, you got anything else you want to cover or do you, would you like to go into Cutter's oh, Games there. before we close up? Well, there was one other thing real quick totally. um, that I just wanted to touch on as far as, you know, getting better, but uh, Cutter kind of brought it up. But if you have the opportunity and you're playing, you know, maybe not, you know, tournament games if you're in a steamroller or something, if you're just like a weekly game night or playing with people, you know, take pictures of your games. Don't be afraid to pause the clock, look at your opponent and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think of me doing this? Like, how does this affect your turn, what you're going to do? And then, you know... Everybody's got their phone on them. Most phones have like a note thing. If a weird rule interaction or something comes up, like don't be afraid to write it down and then look it up later so you know how it works. It happened with me last week where, you know, I was playing into Retribution and Moros paralyzed a random chosen and we didn't really know what to do because the rest of the unit could charge, but that one couldn't. So did, like, how does that work? Does he just walk or, you know, can he not do anything then? And... I think just having that ability to go, hey, this is either a weird interaction, and this is how it turns out, or uh, just be able to look at your games after the fact by taking pictures of them and talking it through with your opponent and say, okay, what if I would have done A instead of B? You know, here's how the board looked at, you know, the top of two. Maybe I should have been farther back because the next turn I got hammered, so I should have looked for these things. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, that's a great idea. I need to get back into taking pictures. I I was doing that at the start of my War Machine career just because I was definitely still new and definitely learning, and it was very helpful just as I was trying to do battle reports as well, so it was good to have something to go back to, but I definitely fell off that train, but I think that's definitely some good advice. I've been saying definitely a lot. You're being aggressively polite. <laughs> Cutter, you obviously agree with this, this uh, idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be looking at pictures from my event while I'm talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's something that I strongly recommend if possible. Cool. So why don't we do that? We'll get into your games. Uh, we'll try and get through them pretty quick to keep the show a little mm -hmm. bit short. But uh, how did your event go? Yeah. So, spoiler, I went two and one. And the first round, this was a Champions event. And okay. it was at Maplewood. And it was just eight of us there. So it was a really clean uh, three-round event. 
and uh, normally they'll break it up, but I know there are some other events in the area, so they'll do pods, which is cool. So they'll make sure that you get out after three rounds, which is nice for people who need to drive or you know have families or whatever. So my first round, I got paired up against Kador, is the guy I rode down or up with, Charlie, and he was playing Butcher One in Armor Core, and I it's like the list that I don't want to see the most <laughs> probably. It figures, right? You play the person you come with, and then they're playing the list that you really don't want to see. I ended up playing my Veil 2 Double Thrones into it, and I just, he kind of positioned in a way where I thought I could kill Butcher. If some things worked out, I could get a Carnivian spray on him, I can get an Angel, I could get Veil doing her feet onto him, and it worked out. So I rolled dice, and it worked, and then I didn't have to play into the matchup. So that was great. <laughs> That's the easiest way to solve it. And I don't always recommend that. You kind of, I've played Veil 2 a lot, a lot, a lot. And I've gotten pretty comfortable with what I can get away with with her. And the list is kind of designed around how I, in particular, execute that plan. So it was also nice that I had a ton of flying stuff and there were hazards all over the table. And the big misplay I did was I just, I wasn't respecting the CRA of the bombardiers. So they ended up shooting a hellion out of a trench on like at the beginning of the game. So that's how it goes. So the double thrones, it's a bit different than what you have been running though, right? Yeah, I don't I don't usually run double thrones with Veil 2. I don't think it's particularly great in some ways, but I feel like in the champions packet, based on what I expect to see there. And the other options that I have available and kind of what Vale needs to cover in the matchups, that it's probably the best choice. I tried a Ravagor a bit. Uh, I've tried a bunch of different loadouts with it. And the the list that I'm using with Double Thrones seems like it's probably where I'm going to keep her right now. Vale 2 is actually probably slotting out of my pairing in general after this event, but uh, we'll have to see how she performs, I guess, in Champions. Cool. So, yeah, that was that game. The next game was Kator again. Yay. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is there a third Kator player? Is this going to be another event that is all Kator? It was not. There are only two Kator players. So, got them 100%. The first scenario, I should say, was oh, the one with two rectangles, a circle, and two flags. Oh, it's spread the net. So the next one was the new recon. The big thing, uh, kind of going quick through this, the biggest problem that I had with this was I was facing Zerkova 2 in Armor Core or Butcher 1 in Jaws. And the Butcher 1 list was a ton of meat. I didn't feel comfortable dropping Veil into that. And I didn't really like the idea of dropping Veil into Zerkova because she's immune to spell assassination. And even though I can kind of push the list, a little bit more I can see through clouds, and I just can't threaten Zerkova as well as I would like. And right. that's kind of a big part of how the list functions. So went with Animag. He went with Zerkova. Uh, that was probably the correct choice on both counts. And I, the terrain was really bad for me. <laughs> it just it was awful. There was a giant building between my flag and my objective that filled up the entire space and went into my zone. And yeah, there was just on the other side of the table, the, there was a forest that was up a little bit. And with my building, he just ended up blocking line of sight for multiple turns and then 
he blocked it for one turn. I couldn't get anything done. I tried to like do some positioning. He had a, a strike tanker or a siege tanker, siege chariot in the list. Uh, that was one shotting chosen. And yeah, the big problem was just that I couldn't, I kind of had to take it on the chin the first round that he put four clouds up. And then I had to take it on the chin the next round when he moved up and feeded. And then I had to take it on the chin again the following round. And it was just such an attrition slog. And he didn't have the damage amplification to be able to like push through my list super fast. But I had so many positioning problems because of where I had to put the Helmelds, because of the Blightbringer, because my Ogren were all just kind of dirtling around because there were clouds everywhere. And the one turn I could actually get onto demo core, they mini-feeded, and I couldn't charge anything. And it was a really bad positioning game for me. I put Golub on the wrong side. I really needed him to be over where the Siege Chariot was because it had to run through Corrosion to get to me. And then I, so it would have done a damage to it, which is great. Golub loves that. And, you know, I could have had the birds over there. It just like, I positioned improperly because I wasn't thinking about how the clouds were actually going to affect my ability to execute anything. And the terrain was a disaster. So I should have played more aggressively in one of the zones that I didn't. The big thing there for me is really looking at my pictures. So this goes back to the picture conversation because I shouldn't have gone first. Okay. I won the roll. I should have gone second. And I should have picked a side that was a lot more agreeable. Right. So just saddled him with the side that had the building. Yeah, the building and the forest and like yeah, there was there was just some really bad positioning issues because of the way that the building was slanted it was like a long building Mm -hmm. and so i couldn't hide behind it super well without pushing myself way out of the zone and then that ended up making golab gave golab issues and i think i just feared the chariot a little bit too much and the clouds were just brutal clouds into animag are pretty bad yes and then not being able to charge with her is really bad and yeah, it was it was a combination of a lot of rough things. I feel like I could have gotten through it if I had just kind of kept my head in the game like it needed to be, which was focusing on not losing on scenario. Because ultimately, I, as clock got low, I just kind of mispositioned some things that would have let me continue contesting and continue capping my flag while I was like throwing tentacles around, trying to get other things done. I had to get the Blightbringer involved. And, you know, it was a boss, but ultimately a pretty squishy thing. So, yeah, it was, uh, Zerkova is pretty oppressive in Armor Core. I think it might be the best way to play her right now, at least from what I've seen for Zerkova 1. So if I see that in Champions, it's something I really need to think about. It's possible the Veil list would have been better. If he had dodged into Butcher, it would have been bad, but I could kill Butcher maybe. It's a good question. If you haven't seen Zerkova 1 in Armor Core and you have a good Kador player, maybe have him try it out because it was rough. Cool. So game three, you're one and one? Yep, one and one in the fun bracket for the most part. So the last game was into Signar, and this was playing into Striker 2 with, it was like Hammer Dwarves, Thunderhead, Firefly, a bunch of juniors and stuff. 
the hammer dwarves were on Murdoch, and then it was Kane zero with Ace. So there were magic bullets flying around. There was a Lancer and I think a hammer jack. So this list I felt pretty good about. The other list was Cray with a bunch of lights. So I felt like Animag could probably weather that too. So went into it with the Animag. One thing I'll say that's a good tip for Animag is if you're going second, which I was this round, deploy your spell martyrs directly across from key targets that you can pull in. Okay. Because sometimes people will run jack, and if it's 20 less than 20 inches away from your spell martyr, you're very happy because you might get to pull it into a hellmouth that or pull it into a tentacle that pulls into a hellmouth and then they lose a jack. He moved up to spray a tentacle that I'd put up. If I had pushed it back like a quarter of an inch, he would have had to be in range. So it's another thing I could have done was keep in mind the ranges that he needed to go into in order to get up there. And he stayed just at 10, which kept him just like a fraction of an inch out from 20 inches of my spell martyr running straight up and then you know doing a double maybe a double gallows i would have lost two spell martyrs doing it but i would have taken thunderhead out oh that would have been worth it yeah that that seems like a good trade so yeah thunderhead with fire for effect is painful the chosen were a boss about it though and they just kind of shrugged it off but the spell martyr thing is something to keep in mind because primal terrors doesn't actually mind going second you can very easily clear zones. Your Hellmouths get farther up. The Hellmouths blunt the approach quite a bit, especially if there's favorable terrain. And this was on Mirage. So you can also, I find it's very easy with Primal Terrors to block out like a big part of the board that they just cannot really get through very easily. So I use the Blightbringer to put an aura like across the board so the Chosen could be comfortable with the Warmongers standing in front of it. There were some clouds and buildings blocking the Hellmouths. And Animag just sat in rubble all game because, you know, four inches away from anything that they could see because I didn't want magic bullets like <laughs> popping her. And yeah, it was, I think in general, it just like he, he went in with Thunderhead thinking it was going to do a little bit more with fully boosted POW 14s, but it's diced off seven and the Chosen just didn't care. So they, the one that got knocked down had feigned death. So the striker ended up feeding early, got the hammer dwarves up. They smacked a few ogren around to let them clean up the last chosen that was knocked down. And they kind of put striker in a bunker. But with Animag's feet, like there was one dwarf left alive after that. You know, like I killed a couple jacks. I made some positioning errors by... I don't know what was wrong with me at this point, but I made a lot of really <laughs> stupid errors in positioning with where I was repositioning and sprinting things to. I left Thunderhead on one box. I left one chosen like less than an inch outside of a zone. So I could have scored five points that turn and just won if I wasn't being an idiot about oh, it. Geez. That's so awful. instead I scored three and uh, I ended up, and then Striker tried to kill Animag. So, How'd that work out for him? Yeah, so the, the one thing I would say to keep in mind is uh, when you're looking, because I killed his objective on bottom of two and capped a flag, could have capped two flags. And if I had just been not 
adult about my chosen positioning could have scored the zone and then if i had activated the rot wings after all this other stuff i was trying to clear out chaff and i forgot that something else that i thought had hurt thunderhead hadn't and then all the rot wings like bounced off of him so that's why i ended up on one box and then i sprinted golob to block line of sight on a flag and that got in the way of the chosen it was just it was dumb Jeez. so yeah it was a mess so i i got a really big attrition swing and what ended up happening was he's like well if i clear these ogren and i uh he had to do like some trick shots and thunderbolts and all this other stuff cleared off a bunch of stuff could get striker in on animag who was she still had swarm up she had the Blightbringer aura because she was just six inches away. She was in rubble. So he had to like velocity up and then he had to charge and then go around the objective and like took one free strike from an Ogren and a free strike from the Hellmouth. Ended up just doing three damage to him total. And he got to Animag and he's like, well, you're camping too. And I am going to lose unless I kill you. So it's time to roll dice. And he rolled a 10 on his overload on three dice and then proceeded to roll a 15 on damage. And Striker just ignited and died. Amazing. <laughs> so he, yeah, he spontaneously like charged across the battlefield, ran up to Animag, and then combusted right in front of her. <laughs> so I'm it. sure it was interesting. But it was really, it was the only chance that he had at that point because the board had been so dominated by Chosen and Ogren and, you know, things had just been really kind of messy that if he didn't do that, there was no way that he could contest one of my flags and he wasn't in a good position to contest his zone or my zone without throwing away really valuable pieces. So overall, I think I think it went pretty well. I don't know what he should have done differently. I think he brought Thunderhead up a little bit too aggressively, expecting the fire for effect pulse to do a little bit more to the chosen but ultimately it it just didn't pan yeah. out at all oh, fair enough wolf so. have you ever seen striker two blow himself up like that uh no i've seen him top of two scar three <laughs> but i've never seen him blow himself up trying that's <laughs> interesting that was the first time i ever saw it actually happen when i used to play against striker two a lot I don't remember if it was early Mark III or just throughout Mark II. I would always try to get chip damage on him, but Gibbs kind of prevents that from happening now by just like giving him a, a quote hot meal. And then, yeah. then he's filled up again. But that was the first time I ever saw him doing that in like a life or death situation where Striker just goes ham and then spontaneously combusts in front of the caster. Fabulous. All right, so we're winding this thing down. Uh, you guys got any... Last things you want to go over before we say goodbye for the evening? Boker Brawl, still October. Still sign up if you haven't. Come hang out. I'm sure the guys would appreciate it. And again, I'm going to be there. So, you know, if you want to call me an idiot in person, here's your chance. <laughs> really surprised by the lack of hate mail from people. Yeah, I'm going to try to make it to Boker Brawl myself. Yeah. Uh, See, come say hi to Cutter. He's better than I am. The person <laughs> who had our ticket left. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I might just end up joining another team somewhere or something. But I know that there's a bunch of solos events too. So I'm really going to hang out and play a bunch of games. So hopefully I can figure that out. 
I know lists are due the end of September, so we still got like a month. So the other event that's big for me is Nova next week. I'm going to Nova, so I'll be playing in a bunch of stuff there. So catch me there. And I would love to meet more people from around the world. So definitely say hi. Are either of you guys going to Nova? No. Uh, no, I don't have the money. I don't have a passport. Well, you need to get one of those. I know. I know. Are we ever going to do that uh, Canada invading America thing if you don't ever get a passport? <laughs> I, I intend to come south at some point. Hopefully, eventually, the dollars will be closer in parity than right now. That you, Your monopoly money isn't worth anything. It's fine. Mm, not fine for my bank account. You have a big kid job. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Regardless, uh, join us on the Discord. As always, we have a great group of folks in the Legion channel. Thank you to Wolf for our main topic today, and congratulations to both of you for going two and one at your respective events. That's awesome. It's because we're pros at this. Well, Cutter's <laughs> a pro. I get lucky. X, X and one pros. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the O and X, my friends. That's true. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 14 of Blightbringers. Cheers. Thanks for coming.